37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pixelated Paranormal. And I was thinking about doing a cryptid encounter for this, but I think it's just going to be a standalone episode on its own because aliens aren't really cryptids. They're still freaky as shit, though. 100%. Well, on tonight's episode, we're going to be jumping into one of the more bizarre alien encounters that we have reported on before called the Zanfretta Abduction. Now, you guys and gals probably remember we've mentioned Zanfretta before because we actually talked about him briefly twice. Once on episode 119, which was the Halloween episode from 2019, and also on episode 133, Not Your Grandma's Alien Abductions, when somehow we brought him back up as another one of the bizarre alien encounters. Well, the Zanfretta abduction actually deserves its own full episode because of just how intriguing it is and how actually digging deeper into it we barely even scratched the surface on some of the weird stuff that he experienced so that's what we're going to be diving into today sweet but first of all anything new with you guys not at all it is quarantine time without the damn sleepy time tea man it's crazy yeah Everything's out. We went to buy some workout equipment, like some kettlebells and some uh, suspension straps to do, you know, some different workouts on, and all that shit's gone. I guess everybody had the same exact idea. Yeah. Bastards. Yeah, it's it's the weirdest things are always sold out. Uh, It's, uh, I don't know, a lot of sketchy stuff going on, you know, everywhere and every which way. And (laughs) Right. And we don't want to make it a whole humdrum every episode about quarantine, but I also want to say, too, that hats off to any of you guys out there in the medical industry who've had to wear this PPE stuff. Oh, God, it's horrid. Since day one. Preston and I have had to be wearing it. Steve, you have Mm -hmm. to wear it. I'm on day two of wearing those masks, and I just about want to rip them off and maybe... Well, I don't want to. Never mind. <laughs> what are you going to do? Shove it up your own ass? No, why, why would I do that? You said, I want to rip it off. And then what else What else are you going to do with what it? What kind of state? I was going to say, and burn burn every last one of them, but people need them. So I wasn't going to make that. Why would I shove it up my own ass? What kind of protest would that be? I thought that's where you were going with it. And you were like, wait a minute. That doesn't work. So never mind. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say it's tasteless to uh, make a joke about destroying all of it. Okay. But no, what's crazy is like, I uh, I had surgery on my ears when I was younger. I had to get tubes, which is common, but they got stuck. And so I had to actually have the doctors go in and remove them surgically. And so behind your ear, kind of right by where that little cup meets the side of your head, they actually had to cut behind my ear and cut that part open to remove the tube Whoa. that had actually gotten embedded. So into you the have tissue. gills now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Exhaust ports. Wait, no, that explains like, so where- two things. You have Gills and your wet, not the webbed feet, but the spaced feet. <laughs> Toes, anyway. My hand feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoa, you're fucking, you are a mutant, dude. My simian toes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's wearing those masks, man. If you loop them over your ears, it rests right on the scars. And it's enough, like, already my hearing has been impacted by it. 
it's super weird, man. Whoa. So I have to t- basically take and find ways to extend those loops so they're not so tight across my ears. Yeah, when I when I went for essentials, mind everybody, um, groceries and, and whatnot, um, and a candle. I got a great candle. Jesus. Nothing better than burn <laughs> a nice candle. <laughs> All right. Okay. I mean, while you're going to be at home, yeah. might as well smell nice. Right. So when I was there, to be fair, it was like right in the main aisle. So um, when I walked by um, – and I, and I saw somebody that I know, I could tell that they were so miserable, you mm-hmm. know, like fucking working during that time. So anybody that has to work essential work, stay your shit, um, you know, keep doing what you do and know that you're appreciated, even though customers yeah. can be quite uh, fucking terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ter- yeah. Fucking terrible right now. Like, let's not get it twisted. I could, I could only imagine, you know, like everybody, everybody's stressed. And when people are stressed, they don't make the right decisions, you know, and then they're very brash with shit, but I don't know. It just, yeah. All three of us are essential workers. So we have to do what we have to do. And, you know, I don't know. And you know what, if you're listening to this and you're guilty of this, maybe find a way to leave people at home you don't have to take all six of your family members out to, mm-hmm. you know, a grocery store or to buy lumber. There's no reason to bring both parents and four kids or, you know, three generations of people. Just leave people at home. Yeah. And I, and I noticed, you know, like uh, a friend of mine did bring up a, a good point. Um, single parents who have multiple sure. children that can't either like either their maturity level, you know, or like that. And they don't have that. Like they have to do that, and they they get judged when they go there because you know she or he sure, has sure, to bring sure, yeah. you know or that person has to bring in all their children. But so and, and it's the same thing with like you know they're recommending everybody wear masks in public, and um, you know all three of us here have probably I mean I guarantee we've never experienced this in life, but. Um, Especially now, like you would never think like to be looked at differently because you're wearing a mask on your face. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. people of color do that now and they're still getting, you know, um, dirty looks and harassment through that. Yeah. It's just like the weirdest things like you'd never think about. And then, you know, it becomes Mm -hmm. a reality very quick and, you know, just stay home. (laughs) Like. Yeah, there's always going to be a caveat yeah. to you know every policy, yeah. but and one one more thing, well, we, so we can get off this quarantine talk because everybody's tired of fucking talking about it. Um, because we are an unusual, strange podcast, I I think that I've brought this up several times um, since then, talking to people and stuff. Uh, when all this stuff happened and the state of emergency was addressed, all the states started saying no more, no more public schools. No more colleges, blah, 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 people working from home. Um, at that point, don't you think like an initiative would have happened with like, you know, the tops like Facebook, Google, blah, 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 that already have this technology in place to uh, stream, like, you know, broadcast uh, Twitch mixer type stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. be able to broadcast um, an event like a PowerPoint or a meeting like that people have been doing forever. Skype's been around forever. Discord, like all these apps. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, 
the number one app used across the world right now, on top of the charts on your phones, on your tablets, on your on your app stores or whatever device you use, is Zoom. It's everywhere. It's Pornhub. Yeah, uh, Pornhub, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's 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 the Zoom shit. And like, it's like, how yeah. does that happen? I don't under, I do not understand. Because I'll tell you why, because Zoom is the number one resource for big corporations and small businesses to host remote viewing um, meetings, remote meetings and whatnot. That's why. But it's on the tip of everybody's tongue. But the, and, and I understand. I understand the need for the app. But like what I'm saying is like, how did how did Google or uh, Facebook or any of these other like big entities not have an app like that? Uh, launching at the same time or already have something in place. They already have all that shit in mm-hmm. place. Discord does it. I mean, you can hook. Well, who who owns Zoom? That, I thought Facebook probably owned Zoom. I I doubt it. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But anyway, it just, it just seems too, you know, and then if you want to get into like the more conspiracy thing, like with, yeah, with, with, uh, with a uh, TikTok, you know the TikTok app being so vulnerable. It's a it's a chi- I thought I hated Snapchat. It's a China based. It's a China based um, mm-hmm. company, and you know people that have actively developed for that app that got out, and they've actively said that you know like hey this this is scanning all of everything about you and your face, and then they're implementing that into AI and all this shit, and. Um, just a dangerous app, right? And then, like, and then the Zoom thing comes around, like, and then there's been stuff in the in the news about rooms that are supposedly private locked for certain, you know, uh, like a like a class or a group or a meeting would happen in there. Somehow they would mm-hmm. be hacked, and then a penis would show up on the screen or a Nazi symbol. You know what I'm saying? Like this app is so new, the security is 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 there, but it's not there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's just really something that quick build up, boom, in there, and all these people using all their you know info. Like, I don't know, man. There's a lot of scams going around. Anytime we have something like this happen, with like, there's so many, so oh, yeah. many scams like going out with emails and letters, and it's, it's just crazy, man. So like, and ha- no one's ever done it on an app before that we know of. You know right. What I'm saying that that's just, that's just the way I think about that. But anyway, enough about quarantine. I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> no, I mean that's a good point. And I mean with Zoom, it's also uh, funny is not the proper word, but just how many accidental slips there have been on Zoom. You know, with people uh, walking into their bedroom naked after a shower mm-hmm. and not realizing it's still streaming and stuff like that. Or yeah, know. like yeah, that Reddit that Reddit post about. Um, uh, a girl uh, couldn't be at college no more, so she had to either stay in the dorm room, fuck that, or mm-hmm. go back to her parents' house, you know, where her home is. And so she goes home. She's um, her uh, – it was, like, kind of, like, late at night. She figured everybody was in bed. She was, you know, just in some panties and, you know, topless and ran to the kitchen real quick to make a bowl of cereal or some shit. And as she's walking mm-hmm. in there – um, apparently the monitor had went to sleep, but the webcam was still going. Wow. And then, uh, within like 30 minutes, she gets a text from her, um, uh, her dad saying, Hey, 
I uh, just want to let you know that unfortunately the webcam was on from the previous Zoom call. And he's like, I swear I hung that up. But, you know, a couple people in the chat saw that and just want to let you know that way, you know, like it was cr- it was like, what the fuck? Like, you know, that type of thing. So it's like it's oh, kind of a sidebar. Do you remember? Did you ever see the John Barrowman uh, infamous hot tub tape? I shouldn't mm-hmm. call it a tape. YouTube video. The guy, John Barrowman, the one who plays Captain Jack Harkness. Oh, yes. Yes. I remember that where his his uh, on Doctor Who. Preston, did you get far enough in Doctor Who to know who Captain Jack Harkness was? I am. Vaguely, that sounds familiar. Well, yeah, there was a there was a YouTube video of him just doing a live stream like, hey, what's up, everybody? Just wanted to say hi. And he's in his hot tub. And, of course, you just see him from the shoulders up. And I don't know if it's his husband or just his partner, but uh, he comes walking out of frame, into frame, just bare-ass naked, just elephant trunk swinging. Yeah, that was, that was crazy, yeah. <laughs> but that it's was more... Than- of a live stream fail is like his, yeah, his sure, husband, sure. boyfriend, whatever, didn't realize that he had been, you know, broadcasting something. And then, yeah, that, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But just to play it off like honey. And he's like, Oh, oops. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, don't mind my, ele- yeah. You raised, you said an elephant. Trump, dude. It's crazy. It was just swinging, yeah. man. Just like oh, Preston, you got to check it out. It's yeah. great. It's <laughs> like, <funny>. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you the video. But uh, yeah, so lesson in point, guys, just put a sticky note over your webcam when you're not using it. Yeah. I used to laugh at stuff like that. You know, I remember when they had one for the Connect and shit mm-hmm. like that. I'd be like, oh, that's hilarious, you know, and uh, I've, you know, yep. my my dad's one of them people that puts the, the paper over the webcam. Not that he ever uses it. Oh, dude, I was too. I always have been mm-hmm. uh, just for that reason, man. After uh, after watching that, uh, oh god, Edward, whatever movie uh, that was, Snowden. yeah, Snowden. After watching that, dude, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Damn, I should have made a scissor hands joke. Well, now back to our regular scheduled episode. Italy, winter, 1978. As a private security guard makes his usual patrol rounds, he makes a truly terrifying discovery that thrusts him into one of history's most bizarre extraterrestrial encounters to ever be recorded. This is the story of the Zanfretta abductions. On the cold, cloudy evening of December 6, 1978, a 26-year-old night watchman named Pierre Zanfretta was on a routine patrol in the village of Toriglia, when he stumbled into an unbelievably horrifying encounter with terrifying creatures that he described as not of this world that would go on to change his life forever. On that winter evening, Zanfreda says that he was in his patrol car, carefully making his way down the treacherous icy roads on his way to an unoccupied country home of the security watch client, Dr. Atore Raihi. When the engine of his patrol car, headlights, and radio all simultaneously and unexplainably died. You know you're fucked. I mean, that's definitely... Yeah. That's when you know you're like... Alarm bells are going off. Without any idea as to why his car suddenly shut off, Zanfreda began to scan the area nearby Raihi's house that he was checking on when he claimed to have seen four strange lights moving around in the garden area of the house. 
Now, assuming that the strange beings were coming from the flashlights of burglars or thieves, Zanfretta quietly climbed out of his car, withdrawing his revolver and a flashlight, courageously committed to protecting his client's property. He silently slipped through the open gate and crept along a rock wall in an attempt to sneak up and surprise what he had assumed to be just normal burglars. However, in an instant, he got the shock of his life. Just as he was about to leap out and confront the four trespassers, Zanfreda simultaneously felt someone touch his shoulder from behind. And when he spun around, he pointed his revolver at the stranger. Instead of finding an average thief, however, in the light of his flashlight, he saw an entity that he described an enormous green, ugly, and frightful creature with undulating skin. Fuck me. It was as though (laughs) he were very fat or dressed in a loose gray tunic, no less than ten feet tall, I'd say. In later interviews, Sanfreda would include more explicit descriptions of these extraterrestrial beasts, including such features as hairy, greenish skin, points on the side of their faces, rounded fingertips, monstrous, yellow, triangular eyes, and red veins across their foreheads. Based on this description, these life forms may be akin to what some believe are particularly nasty breeds of aliens known as the reptilians. He also described a unique mechanical apparatus that fit over their mouths, which enabled them to breathe in Earth's oxygen-rich atmosphere. And later, while under hypnosis, he recalled asking the creatures about the odd device. I just want to know, man, why don't you have a mouth? You've only got those pieces of iron with a net and the weird shiny light. What the hell? Zanfreda was so caught off guard by the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it should be noted that Preston's ad-libbing a bit, and I'm okay with it. (laughs) I'm okay with it, too, because I'm going to do the same. (laughs) Preston's pretty much reading this as if he was Zanfreda. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Zanfreda was so caught off guard by the creature that stood before him, he immediately dropped his flashlight, but somehow he managed to grab it and run away towards his patrol car. When he says that out of nowhere, a brilliant green light illuminated him and the ground around him like a large spotlight. Looking over his shoulder, he saw a massive triangular-shaped UFO, which he claimed was so large it eclipsed his client's whole house with its size. And it ascended with a hiss. And it ascended with a hiss. At this point, Zanfreda says that he was blasted with a searing wave of heat continued to bear down on him until he made it back to his patrol car, where he then radioed back to his security company's center of operations in nearby Genoa. And his clock radio at the time said it was now 12.15 a.m. Now, to give Zanfreda's story some weight, Carlo Tocciolino, the security company's radio operator, testified that when Zanfreda radioed into the office, he was speaking in a confused and agitated fashion incoherently babbling about some kind of inhuman beings. When Tocciolino asked him to describe what he was assaulted by, Zanfreda yelled back, No! They aren't men! They aren't men! My God, are they ugly! And get your hands off me, you damn dirty apes! (laughs) At At that point, the communications were abruptly broken off, and Tocciolino called the chief of security 
Lieutenant Giovanni Casiba. Casiba was certainly concerned with both the welfare of his man and also the security company client's property. And so the security office immediately sent out another patrol car with two more security officers to check on Zanfreda and the Raihi residents. However, due to the treacherous conditions of the icy roads, of course, the second right, <laughs> the second security guards didn't reach the Raihi property until about one hour later, around 1:15 in the morning, when the two night watchmen, Walter Laria and Ramondo Maschia, found Zanfreda lying in a prone position on the frozen ground in front of the Raihi house. When Zanfreda saw the approaching guards, he leapt to his feet with his eyes bulging in fear, and he pulled his pistol and flashlight on both the two unfamiliar figures. He aimed his firearm at both his comrades. But luckily, nobody was injured. Loria and Maschia both attested that the usual timid and lucid family man was irrational. <laughs> That's not how present it's been at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, the, so now the opposite. What the opposite of Preston's demeanor will, will be? Right. What happened? Uh, I just got abducted. No problem. Yeah, <laughs> we're describing, you know, uh, like a Harrison Ford character, and Preston is just doing like the later uh, Mel Gibson character. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a drunk Charleston Heston. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> okay, is that is that your uh, your inspiration you're channeling? Yeah. <laughs> Both security guards attested that the usually timid and lucid family man was irrational and did not appear to recognize them, nor did he seem to comprehend their urgent request for him to lower his weapon. The guards, fearing for their own welfare, rushed Zanfreda and fortunately managed to disarm him before there were any unintentional or accidental injuries. The two security guards later testified that they were shocked to discover how warm his clothes were, despite the fact that he had apparently been laying on the frozen ground for the last hour. Dope. Now here's where things begin to get interesting. Zanfreda's account of his experience was so disturbing that the Italian military police, the Carabinieri, were immediately dispatched to the area in order to investigate. Later that night, they found two very distinct marks in the frost-covered grass in the backyard of the Raihi's house. These odd imprints were possibly created by the triangular UFO's landing gear. Each spot measured 9 feet in diameter and were shaped like horseshoes. The commandant of the Torriglia station, Antonio Nucci, who had known Zanfreda for many years, stated unequivocally that he believed in the veracity of the guard's frankly extraordinary testimony. When asked his opinion of the mental stability of the professional century, Nucci answered, I can state with certainty that he is a clear-thinking man with no strange fantasies in his head. When we went to investigate the scene the next day, and he was so scared, <laughs> only something exceptional could have frightened him so. And there's even more evidence that adds to the veracity of Zanfreda's encounter. This is a different person, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so while uh, doing the investigation, Nucci revealed that they received reports from 52 Tortelia citizens 
saying that they noticed an odd gang, uh, glaring illumination and emanating from the direction of the Raigi house at exactly the same time. On that exact same night in the December, the Zenfreda testified to witnessing the enormous triangular UFO spaceship thing rise up to the atmosphere. Now this much of the story we've more or less covered for the most part in those two previous episodes. But the story, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, goes much deeper. Soon after Zanfreda's story was recorded, details of the encounter had spread, and not long after, press had gotten wind of the extraordinary tale of spaceships and giant green lizards, and they flooded the town. And the reactions from the news reporters ranged anywhere from light-hearted skepticism all the way to angry ridicule. Some even went as far as to flat-out assert that he was lying about the entire thing, or he was mentally ill. Nearly all the reporters eventually adopted the latter attitude, except for one specific reporter named Reno Di Stefano, who was working for the local Genoa newspaper, Il Corriere Mercantile. Di Stefano was intrigued by the Zanfreda case and wrote several articles on the subject. Unlike most of his peers, Di Stefano could not rationalize why a husband and father who had a great job in a very respected profession would jeopardize not only his career, but also his reputation and family safety by making up a story about space aliens. So Reno contacted Zanfreda in an attempt to get to the bottom of the wild and unbelievable story. After talking to Zanfreda and some of the 52 witnesses of the light show anomaly, Di Stefano became a believer in the extraterrestrial encounter himself. He said that Zanfreda didn't want to be famous. He actually refused the notoriety because he was so worried about his job and his family. Zanfreda also told Di Stefano that not long after the news outlet started running the stories about his experience, he also started to receive countless prank phone calls where he said, People call me on the phone at all hours just to play jokes on me. I don't know what it was that I saw, but I saw it, damn it. I'm not a liar. If I could have, I wouldn't have reported my experiences. Now, I see the consequences. And the added stress of the public ridicule and harassment was beginning to take its toll on both he and his wife. On December 23, 1978, in order to investigate deeper into the Zanfreda experience, Di Stefano suggested that he undergo hypnosis. <laughs> what a Christmas present. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine Christmas morning? Like this is two days before. Man, Merry Christmas. Remember <laughs> that fucking alien story you told me the other day? Right, <laughs> like, right. Well, and you know what's funny too is uh, right around Christmas was a time that Whitley Strieber was abducted by aliens supposedly out of his uh, country cottage as well. So maybe they tend to favor us humans around Christmas time. Boom. Di Stefano suggested that Zanfreda undergo hypnosis in order to get a better understanding of what may have happened, in case Zanfreda subconsciously had buried any further trauma from the experience two and a half weeks prior. Now, Zanfreda agreed, so the session was held in Genoa and was presided over by a member of the Italian Association of Medical Hypnosis, Dr. Mauro Moretti, who was also a psychotherapist. Now, much to their surprise, the hypnosis session revealed that Zanfreda's experience went much further than just the accidental encounter with the being from another planet. God, could you imagine being in that room? Oh, dude. Fuck. No. 
Yeah. Just watching uh, Communion, that yeah. movie with uh, Christopher Walken, dude, his hypnosis sessions are pretty yeah. unnerving at some oh, points. Yeah. These gigantoid reptilian creatures had also abducted him. Under hypnosis, Zanfretta recalled these terrifying apparitions had actually taken him to a different location that he described to as being hot and luminous. And while there, they carried out a physical examination and interrogated him as well. According to Zanfretta, these creatures did not speak Italian, but used a strange, luminous device to translate what they were saying. Somehow, so he could clearly understand... <laughs> somehow so that he could clearly understand them. And Zanfretta learned that the creatures had come from a planet called Titonia, which was located in the third galaxy, and they told him... They said they just wanted to talk to Earth people, and uh, I'm here to tell you, have you ever seen the movie Independence Day? Because that shit's about to happen because they're coming back with all their fucking friends. (laughs) Mind you, Independence Day happened way after 1978. (laughs) I mean, more accurately, have you seen that movie, Alien? (laughs) Hey, that's okay. Artistic liberties. Yeah. And it should be noted here that (laughs) what he really said is they wanted to talk to Earth people and they would soon return in larger numbers. (laughs) They're our friends. And they would... They want to help so us. So the aliens noted they would soon return. This could be relative, uh, you know, to the concept of time from one species hailing from another world to ours. So soon could mean, you know, a day, a year, a century. Who knows? Now, this sounds like great news for Earth, but things for Zanfreda were only going to get more terrifying. Three days after his hypnosis session, on December 26th, around 11.45 p.m., Zanfretta says that he was driving his patrol car through the Bargogli Tunnel near the Scafera pass-through in the rain and dense fog when he suddenly lost control of the vehicle. Now, since it was about three weeks after the initial encounter, a panic-stricken guard had enough wits about him. The panic-stricken guard had enough sense about him, and sensing that something wasn't right again, he immediately radioed in, reporting that his car was now driving on its own. Zanfretta desperately tried to slam his foot on the brakes and pull at the steering wheel, but he said his actions had absolutely no effect on the Fiat that he was driving, and he was horrified as it continued to barrel through the rain and dense fog and continued up the highway's steep incline. After traveling for what he estimated to be about a mile, the Fiat finally came to a dead stop. Zanfretta was thrust forward at such momentum that he hit his head against the steering wheel, And when he came to his senses, he noticed now both he and the car were bathed in a searing hot light, similar to what had blasted him during his first encounter. So as all this is going down, the security company's radio operator that received Zanfretta's call claimed that when he called in, Zanfretta spoke in a very controlled voice, stating that, Look, when I said Jesus take the will, this is not what I was talking about. No, he said, the car had stopped. <laughs> I saw a bright light. Now I'm getting out. <laughs> and then, just as the first encounter, Zanfretta and his vehicle were discovered at 1.10 a.m. by another pair of security guards who were dispatched to <laughs> Worthless security again. guards. <laughs> I know. Is it a coincidence that every time that Zanfretta goes out, it's always like an hour away from the control post? Yeah, no shit. 
<laughs> the first man to spot Zanfretta was Sergeant Emmanuel Travanzoli. Travanzoli stated that he found Zanfretta in a field near the road, and again, just like the first incident. Despite the continuing downpour of rain and the moisture in the air from the fog, Zanfretta's clothing was still warm to the touch and inexplicably dry. Travanzoli claimed that when he found him, Zanfretta was again in a state of shock, quivering and weeping. This time, the men on the scene were disturbed to hear the companion they discovered declare, They say I must leave with them. What about my children? I don't want to. I don't want to. Once again, the military was called in, and after they arrived on the scene, the officers found, much to their befuddlement, that even though the Fiat had been exposed to the cold downpour for the extended period of time, the roof of the car was hot, as if it had been baking in a scorching sun. Equally inexplicably, the officers revealed that the auto's interior was as hot as an oven, as well as if it had been sitting inside an extremely hot room. Now, because that's not weird enough in itself, the military police also discovered that Fiat was surrounded by unexplainable, abnormally large boot prints measuring over 20 inches long by almost 8 inches wide. These bizarre, Bigfoot-like prints had a distinctive bare spot between the sole and the heel, like that of a human's arch. This remains to be one of the most intriguing traces of actual physical evidence to ever have been left at a scene of an alleged alien abduction. The Carabiniera, fuck. The Italian military then came across Zanfretta's firearm, a Smith & Wesson 38 Special, that they reported to have been fired five times, although Zanfretta couldn't recall who or what he had fired his gun at. Due to the unexplained nature of the use of his firearm and Zanfretta's story slowly becoming public knowledge, the military police held a full investigation into the unlikely events. On January 1979, all data in the case was collected by Commandant Nucci in a file labeled The Report of the Sighting of Unidentified Flying Objects by Fortunato Zanfretta. The file was then afforded to the magistrate's court in Giona with an inquiry as to what action should be taken. Then, after the report had changed enough hands, because no one really knew what the fuck to do with it, <laughs> it was delivered to Magistrate Russo, who, after a year of deliberation, certified on January 11, 1980, that the investigation could be filed away with the declaration of no crime committed. Because you can't commit an alien to earth crimes. Boom. However, the Italian military also informed the Italian Department of Interior and other military commands about the incident, saying that the degree of reliability related to the bizarre events was actually good. Which is astonishing. If that's true, that means your, your state, your country's military, said that they actually kind of believe in what you like reported. the one with the, the Navy here, right? Wasn't the Navy? Yeah, the, the yeah the Navy uh, reported and uh, actually confirmed the uh, infamous Tic Tac UFO yeah. video, which is insane because if your government or at least your military is coming forward publicly and saying that, that makes you ask, what else have they seen that they're too afraid to release to the you know mm -hmm. public? 
And what's interesting here, uh, and it's also kind of odd, how concerned the military seemed, because on the surface, the story seemed a little far-fetched. But in December of 1978, there were so many UFO sightings reported across Italy that a former member of the Italian parliament actually asked both Italy's premier, Guillermo Adrianetti, and the minister of defense, Attio Ruffini, to inform the Italian Congress about their opinion concerning the nature of the recent UFO sightings. And he also asked to have further evaluation on the potential threats of these bizarre UFOs and alien creatures that they could, pos uh, that they could pose against the citizens of Italy. As for Zanfretta, after his second paranormal encounter, he became sort of a local celebrity. And his employers were also equally concerned about all the publicity he was getting, as well as his mental health, especially being an armed guard. They actually ended up asking a prominent neurologist, Dr. Giorgio Giannotti, to examine Zanfretta. His diagnosis was that the man is in a state of shock, but he is perfectly sane. Dr. Giannetti's conclusions, conclusions helped to improve the credibility of this bizarre event. But also, as they do, the naysayers were starting to make life a living hell for Zanfretta and his family. It was then that Zanfretta agreed to undergo hypnosis under the supervision of Dr. Moretti yet again, and this time he consented to allow it to be televised in an effort to prove he's not insane. And you can actually find this video on YouTube. It's in Italian, so you got to read subtitles, but we can find a link and post That's that because well, it's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. During this televised interview, I figure, like, is he wearing, like, a... Uh, the, the helmet device from uh, when they in Ghostbusters when they do Rick Moranis' head. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> the yeah. colander yeah. and all the lights. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> During the televised interview, Zanfretta recalled being stripped and then forced by the alien creatures to wear a strange helmet-like <laughs> device. I forgot that was in here. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Are you the key master? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> The device enabled him to understand their language, but caused him a tremendous amount of pain. He also remembered one of the aliens taking his gun and firing the bullets into a panel-like structure that he assumed was used to see if human weapons had the capability of harming these creatures. Zanfretta, then noticeably agitated, said that he feared that he might be required to leave his home and his family behind. Listen. I know that you need me, but I don't want to. I just want to be left alone. Come on, I have two children. I feel good this way. And after all, you're not human beings. You're horrible, nasty, reptilian creatures. Hundreds of thousands of viewers watched the extraordinary interview broadcast on TV. But instead of clearing his name, it only further exacerbated the skepticism of his critics and elevated his cult celebrity to global level. And after shortly, and shortly after the airing of the interview, Zanfretta was abducted a third time. On the night of July 30th, 1979, Zanfretta was assigned motorcycle patrol in the residential area of Quato in Genoa, far away from the previous sector that he'd been experiencing his first two encounters. 
but it seems it wasn't far enough to get away from these enigmatic captors. Bro, they come from a different planet. You think they're going <laughs> right? to give a shit about <laughs> miles away? <laughs> uh, no, they're not, because he vanished yet again. And once more, his fellow guards were first on the scene, and after two... <laughs> these are the worst guards ever, seriously. And why do they... Like, how does this guy still have a job? And every single one of them is, like, right. way far away from anybody else. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> ditch the guards and be like, hey, uh, maybe there's somebody closer. Like, I don't know, a first responder? <laughs> Civilians <Yeah. laughs> at this point. <laughs> After a two-hour search of the area, they found him on the summit of nearby Mount Farsi. It should be noted that local eyewitnesses claimed that they had not seen the young guard or his motorcycle travel up the single road that led to the top of the mountain. So yet again he was taken under hypnotic regression. Only this time, the session was conducted at the International Center of Medical and Psychological Hypnosis in Milan, where on his own request, Zinfredo was injected with sodium pentothal, aka the truth serum, administered by Professor Marco Marchison. While under the effects of the drug, Sanfreda claimed that he was lifted from the ground into an alien spacecraft by a mysterious green light. That's awesome. Following the regret, I know. Following the regression procedure, Professor Marchison confirmed, no human being can knowingly lie when he is under sodium pentothal. So I think it's very probable Sanfreda had these encounters. That's incredible, man. I couldn't right. imagine. Like seeing seeing that in person, be like, there's no way to lie from to not lie from. This. Yeah, well, and what's interesting here is it's an abduction case in another country, a fairly developed, civilized country, and they're getting completely different treatment. Yeah, you know, sure he's being called a kook and a liar and a fraud and a nut job, but his own government is halfway believing him, or at least you know, humoring the idea that well, let's give him you know this truth serum, let's have him get you know, regressed, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's coming back with some pretty decent, you know, evidence. Cool. So that was good news for Zanfretta. But unfortunately, still not the end of his bizarre adventure. But this time, for once, he wouldn't be the only one to experience the unexplainable. On Saturday, December 2nd, 1979, nearly a year after the first experience, again around 10.30 p.m., Zanfretta disappeared for the fourth time, while driving at Austin Martin in the suburbs of Genoa. This time, however, the 26-year-old would not be the only one to have a brush with the inexplainable. While driving in the hills of Genoa, searching for their missing cohort, yet again, four patrol guards claim to have clearly seen a very strange, cloud-like object floating above them. Suddenly, two beams of light seem to emanate from within this large cloud-like formation. The light illuminated the two patrol cars below. The vehicles' engines simultaneously stopped dead, and the curious yet fearful guards got out of their patrol cars to get a better look, because none of them had ever seen a UFO. And for the first time ever, they were seeing these fabled crafts that were stalking the Genoa area. Apparently, the chief lieutenant, Kasiba, became so frightened by the sight of the unexplainable aircraft. 
that he actually aimed and shot his firearm at the Idiot. unknown object <laughs> after shooting his pants. And just as quickly as Lieutenant Kasiba shot his pistol at the craft, the ethereal lights blinked out of existence and the UFO simply disappeared. Now, unfortunately, one of the four guards that witnessed the strange craft, Germano Zanardi, was so traumatized by what he had seen and the fact that everything that Zenfreda had been claiming was seemingly coming true. He actually suffered a mental breakdown, and just a few months after the encounter with the strange craft, Germano ended his own life with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the wow. head. Yeah. Now, if you thought things couldn't get any weirder, on Monday, December 3rd of the same year, 1979, at approximately 9.30 p.m., Zanfreda got out of his patrol car at a self-service gasoline station near downtown Genoa. And while he was gassing up the patrol car, he claims that he heard someone calling his name out from the shadows outside of the gas station. He described the shadowy entity that was speaking to him as a tall, humanoid figure with a bald, egg-shaped head who was dressed in a checkered suit that included a chest plate made of steel where the t-shirt or dress shirt should have been. His bling. Zanfreda said the sound of this kooky individual's voice was so intense that it felt like he physically lost control of his own body and had been switched into an autopilot mode, and he could no longer express his own free will. This entity apparently ordered him to drive his vehicle into a small cloud that was hovering just above the ground at the petrol station, like a plume of thick, dense fog. Zanfreda did exactly what he's instructed to do, and claims that his patrol car and he were levitated within the cloud and then deposited into a huge space. I don't think I'd ever get in a vehicle again. <laughs> I don't think I would go by myself anywhere yeah. again. You know what? What's odd here is that Zanfreda claims that the new creature's voice didn't seem to be verbally coming from his mouth, but instead, he thinks it was communicating telepathically, which is very similar to the many encounters of the Grinning Man, or our old friend, Indrid Cold. Hell yeah. This time, while on board the ship, the security guard was allowed to explore the craft's interior, but of course with the supervision of the oversized reptilians following him around. Within the colossal craft, Zanfreda claimed to have seen large, transparent cylinders filled with a weird blue liquid. One of the cylinders was said to have contained a frog-shaped body, which the aliens explained was an enemy of ours from another planet. In two other cylinders, Zanfreda observed a large bird-like creature and another humanoid figure that he described looking like a caveman. Around this time, these mystifying beings attempted to give Zanfreda a transparent-shaped sphere with what appeared to be an electrically charged pyramid inside. The aliens claimed that utilizing the sphere would enable human beings to comprehend who they were and how they live. Zanfreda tried to refuse the gift. I've had enough of this shit and all these strange encounters and wished only to go back to my normal life, God damn it. <laughs> Nevertheless, the creatures insisted he accept it, informing him that he was to give the sphere to a man of whose name he had never heard before, 
but we're going to recognize it almost instantly. The American scientist and UFO researcher, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Who that? Oh, uh, you don't know who that is? Project Blue Book? Google no, it, No, I know who that is. Okay, I was going to say, I'm ashamed. <laughs> Steve can say he doesn't know who it is, and that's fine. He gets a pass. Indeed. But you really ought to watch that uh, History Channel show, Blue Book. It's pretty badass. Zanfretta, for reasons only clear to him, claims that instead of giving the prize to the now-deceased Heineck, he instead hid the object somewhere in the hills near Genoa. A.K.A. his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Zanfretta disappeared again on February 14, 1980, after which he was found by his colleagues again in a state of shock, this time, though, suffering from mild hypothermia. A villager living nearby stated that mere minutes before the rescuers arrived, he had spied a radiant mass in the sky. During the next hypnosis session, Dr. Moretti found that Zanfretta had been uncharacteristically uncooperative. While hypnotized, he claimed that he was in contact with the aliens and began to speak an odd, unknown language. His voice became guttural and he uttered cryptic phrases. Question with negative answer, Tixel. You can't work out anything in a case like this. To believe or not to believe wasn't mean any doesn't mean anything. Each thing in its own time. So wouldn't that be weird? There's yeah. there's a movie I watched not too long ago where that same exact thing happened. And against all odds. Zanfretta managed to vanish yet again on August 13th, 1980. This guy can't catch a break. He's like the fucking Mr. Magoo of alien abductions. <laughs> this time, however, he was under close observation and was found before the aliens or grinning man, for that matter, could contact him. This was then the end of his ordeal, or at least until recently when the now long-retired security guard claimed the extraterrestrials reinitiated contact. To what end remains to be seen? In 1984, Reno Di Stefano wrote a book about these enigmatic events titled The Zanfretta Case, which details the harrowing events which took place between 1978 and 1980. In that same year, the Italian State National Broadcasting Network Ray TV, made a two-part docudrama series based on the book. While there can be little doubt that the purported series of events that took place near Torgilia, Italy, borders on the absurd, one cannot dismiss the fact that there were over 60 additional witnesses to this strange aerial phenomena, and at least one poor soul who lost his life because of it. To this day, the perplexing case of Pierre Fortunato Zanfretta remains to be one of the most famous account of alien abduction ever to hail from Italy. But as frightening as this case is, an excerpt from one of his hypnotic recollections in the form of a warning he seemed to be giving to the aliens might paint a more optimistic picture of the intentions of these visitors. Listen, guys, I know you're trying to come here more frequently. No, you can't come to Earth. People get scared if they look at you. I mean, you're so fucking ugly. You can't make friendships with a face like that. Nobody likes 
And that, friends, is the story of the Zanfretta abductions. Much, much deeper and much, much more in depth than those paragraphs that we read. (laughs) Yeah, my butthole quivering the whole entire time. Damn. That's just because you want to vape. Yeah, that's a good. Oh, it's funny because it's true. Yeah, I like it, man. I like it a lot. So I'm tempted to buy that book, but I'm sure it's probably one of those that's just out of print anymore, you know? Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, should we plug some stuff and get out of here? Because that single story pretty much took up the entire hour. Coolio. Yeah. Cool. All right. Steve, what you got, man? Check out our Instagram at PXL Paranormal, right? Awesome, mm-hmm. I got it. Mm-hmm. You got it that I time. I remembered it because it's your gamer tag. <laughs> uh, also, uh, <laughs> check us out on Facebook, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Uh, comment, like, share, all that type of stuff. Give us some reviews on iTunes or any of the other devices you can. Be much appreciated. Uh, and also check mm-hmm. out our horror movie podcast um, where we go over awesome movies, uh, horror movies in particular. And we are going to be recording a new B-Reels here pretty shortly, hopefully. And then still working on our next major episode of the great movie, Scream. And then while you're at it, check out the other shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Check out Mark's solo show, Pixelated Sausage. And also check out the brand new anime podcast, Animazingly Baka, or Baka. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's the new podcast with Mark and a buddy of his where they discuss their favorite animes, animes, animes. animes. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool that he's launched. That dude does so much work uh, uh, from web stuff to podcasting to art, and now he's getting a show under his belt. Oh, yeah, he's even got his own uh, art on a uh, face yeah, mask yeah, I now, saw that. so yeah. if you want to wear a little bit of Mark Oh, for around. real? I might order one yeah. of those. Yeah. That's rad. Hell yeah. But yeah, check it out. First episode, they discuss their top five animes and my teen romantic comedy snafu. Ooh. Hell no yeah. No idea what any of that All fucking right, means, awesome. but awesome, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. some of you guys do, and we hope you enjoy it. Cool. Preston, what do you got for us, bud? All right. Listen, guys. There might be a time in your life where you're going to find yourself being abducted by aliens, and you're going to be inside the spaceship stripped down buck naked with some weird device strapped around your head about to get you know anally probed you got to ask yourself one question when those ugly motherfuckers are looking at you do you want to be bringing your b game or do you want to be bringing your a game with the best goddamn looking and smelling beard this universe has ever seen and if you answered you want to bring your a game Take yourself over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order and get yourself some succulent scents such as Bay Rum, Dundee Cedar, Mint, Fresh, Citrus, Sweet Tobacco. You can't go wrong with Dobbs, and the aliens will appreciate it. Oh, yeah. First off, <laughs> and during the second off, <laughs> yeah, that was. You spoke more in that way ad beefed up than you promo. did the entire fucking episode with written lines. <laughs> <laughs> I know, no kidding, hell yeah. 
Well, and in this time of quarantine, it's important to keep your beard clean. So whilst you're on there, grab yourself some beard soap as well. And then maybe head on over to our other friends over at gunslingersoap.com and see if they got any of that world-class soap. They may be sold out. I'm not sure. I know that they uh, were talking about having some some low stock not too long ago. So That shit's bomb. Cool. Yep. And then, of course, guys, you know, support local. Check out our friends over at Harry and Rock at Fast Print. When everything's back up and running, please get back over to CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. Say hi to Leslie and the gang. And then we just want to give a shout out to Leslie and John. Hopefully this stuff blows over and we can get back into the studio, a.k.a. the lounge in CD Trade Post, and record another roundtable with them. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it's Dude, a good time. Like no shit. Whenever oh. I feel like down or depressed, which is very common, mm. a lot of the times, but definitely during quarantine, dude, anytime I have any interaction with John or Leslie, instantly puts me in a better mood. They are yep. great people, infectious with good feeling, man. Yeah, for sure. Love we are very uh, fortunate to call them not only friends of the show, but also to uh, consider them friends. Just our friends, you know, it's, it's pretty wonderful. So I hope you guys are doing well through all of this. So cool. All right. Anything else guys? That's it. Nope. I know I gotta be forgetting something and I apologize. Um, but, uh, yeah, cool. All right. Well, until next time, guys and gals and ghouls, cheers to the weird shit in the world. And those of us that love to talk about it and check your colanders and stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.